Well, good morning and thanks so much for joining us Tuesday morning. You know, we're kind of out of practice with the whole plugging in the vehicle thing. We, we've been spoiled this winter, mild temperatures for so long that now we get a blast of cold wear. In fact, extreme cold warning in effect for Saskatoon and central Saskatchewan. Down south, it's not exactly warm. We don't have, have the same warning in effect, but it's, it's cold and people are, I just noticed this morning, plugging in at work, which we haven't seen. We haven't seen any extension cords in the work parking lot for the last uh, few weeks that we've had these mild temperatures. The good news is it's not going to stick around very long. In fact, warming up by Thursday of this week. Well, for as long as the Internet has been around, it's kind of viewed as a bit of a wild west of sorts. Yesterday, the federal government announced some new legislation they're hoping will tame it a bit, especially when it comes to children. Justice Minister Arif Varani introduced that long-promised legislation that aims to prevent hatred, violence, and bullying online, the Online Harms Act, Bill C-63. Some people see it as absolutely the right move to protect our children. Others see it as federal government overreach. Here to help us distill this down a little bit more is Michael Geist, a law professor and Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law at the University of Ottawa. He joins us now from his office in Ottawa to talk about the impact this legislation will have. Michael, thanks so much for being on the show. No, my pleasure. Thanks for so having me. So what exactly are some of the online harms that the government is hoping to put a stop to with this new legislation? Right. I mean, one of the things that's interesting about this bill is that unlike some of the earlier attempts that the targets and, or the sources of concern were a bit more amorphous and, and are arguably far too broad. Here they've narrowed it down to seven in particular. Uh, intimate content that's communicated without consent, essentially revenge porn, and then content that foments hatred, incites violence or extremism and terrorism, and then several that are focused on children, uh, content that might induce a child to harm themselves or content used to bully a child or, one, or content that sexually victimizes a child. So that's the focus. That's actually just it. Those are the, the seven that the government identifies as the online harms that this legislation is designed to address. The Liberal government has talked about wanting to do this for a while, and as you've mentioned, they attempted to do it a few years ago, but it failed because of how broad it was. Do you think they've tweaked it enough that it that it might work this time? Great question. I think first off, we should recognize they have made significant changes from where they were at. They actually didn't bring forward a bill. They brought forward a consultation that was widely criticized, frankly, from groups across the spectrum. So uh, they, they they legitimately did, it appears, go back to the drawing board. And this has the feel of really almost the first Internet regulation bill from the government that seems driven primarily by policy rather than caving to the demands of lobby groups or trying to settle scores with big tech. So I think in that sense, it's a good starting point. I think there are concerns, uh, some concerns, especially around the enforcement side in terms of how they, they think about enforcing because they establish an entirely new commission to try to do that, as well as a series of provisions that are amendments to both the Criminal Code or the Canada Human Rights Act that I think may be an overreach and, and I think are likely to raise some significant uh, uh, concerns. In the role that you do, Michael Geist is our guest here, a law professor at the University of Ottawa. In in the role that you do with studying online law, are we lagging behind? I know other countries have, have stood up law similar to this. Are we lagging behind? Is this something that is a, is a positive step for Canada? 
Well, I mean, it probably can be both um, in the sense that there are certainly countries that have moved ahead faster than than we have. But um, at the same time, some of those early attempts to deal with these issues actually backfired. They weren't effective or they raised a host of new concerns along the way. So there is some advantage, frankly, for seeing what's taking place elsewhere and adapting it specifically both based on their experience as well as of the Canadian environment, which is, of course, going to be somewhat different from, from other countries. So, so I, I must admit, I'm less concerned about the notion that we're lagging behind. I think some countries have moved faster, others have moved slower. Um, that's, that's, that, that, to me, isn't the, the core impetus behind the bill. The question is, are we getting it right? And on that front, I think we do. this bill does some things better than what the government had previously in mind, which is great. But when I, I look, for example, at the enforcement piece here, which envisions creating a brand new digital safety commission, a bit almost like a new CRTC, which has massive new powers, demanding any information they want from regulated services, hearings that if it decides can actually be held in private, not in public, all kinds of new regulations and codes of conduct, all backed by big penalties and without even uh, necessarily legal or technical rules of evidence. To me, there's some red flags there in terms of how this is going to be effectively enforced. So I'm curious to know how this will work. We, we've talked about, you know, kind of what is contained in there. But how exactly will this bill, if passed, prevent those harms from taking place? Where does it place onus? What are the expectations? Right. And so let's start by noting that it's not going to – nobody suggests that this is going to eliminate everything. It's it's hoping to minimize. For sure. And, those kinds of harms, and I think try to to take a position that the large Internet companies who have been, I guess, at best inconsistent in how they've addressed many of these issues, there's a sense at times that people might flag content and it goes into a bit of a void and you don't know what they do about it. Uh, This is going to require a lot more transparency. And what the focus is on is a duty to act responsibly, which is admittedly a bit of a flexible notion. You know, what does it mean to to act responsibly in this context? The bill sets out some of those things, things like allowing people to block other users or to flag content that raises concerns. There are requirements for the platforms to put out very regular reports and auditing functions about how frequent these incidents are, what they propose to do about it, when they occur. So I think there's going to be a lot more transparency there, you know, uh, along the way. And I think that will have the effect of getting these companies to be uh, take more effective positions, potentially more proactive positions, and in minimum will have a better sense of, of who's doing what and can hold them to account where they fail to meet the standards that oftentimes they themselves set for themselves. Talking with Michael Geis today, law professor, Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law at the University of Ottawa. So what ends up happening often with, with legislation proposals like this is it will have a handful of things that most people would look at and agree with. There'll be one or two things that people take exception to. And, you know, the, the baby gets thrown out with the bathwater, use the expression. So where is the balance here when people are saying this is limiting freedom of expression and free speech uh, versus things that, you know, promote hatred or violence uh, in Canada? How nuanced is that? And is it possible to to reach an agreement on something like this, which I think has positive intent in mind. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that that is the risk with this kind of legislation, that the people can get behind 
the, the concept, the principle, the objectives of the legislation. But then once you start getting into the weeds of the legislation, they start identifying concerns and you end up losing the legislation altogether. And I think there are some risks of that happening here as well. Not so much with the internet specific related provisions. I think, I think there's enough there that we can work with, although as we were talking about earlier, I do think the enforcement side in this commission needs closer examination. But there are also provisions that extend and expand the penalties that are found in the criminal code for online hate that expand the possibility of the Canadian Human Rights Commission under the Canadian Human Rights Act facing just a plethora of new complaints along dealing again with communication of hatred. And I worry that that turns that body into a bit of a circus, that there are going to be real fears about what does it mean to put in these significant penalties in the criminal code. And that becomes sort of the flashpoint for the legislation, even though it's stuff that is it's notable, it's there, but it kind of comes towards the very end of this bill. And the bulk of the legislation, really the attempt to deal specifically with the platforms, that, that may get lost a little bit in the shuffle. So I'm, you know, I'm curious because this becomes a bit of a, a political discussion when we look at liberals and conservatives, for example. Pierre Polyev has come out critical of this legislation, uh, but at the same time, the conservatives are talking about, you know, they would like to change the law to require that porn websites verify the age of users to prevent minors from accessing the content. So to me, I, you know, I feel like. The conservatives are, on one hand, saying we need to do more to protect minors. On the other hand, are critical because of the freedom of speech implications of this new bill. You know, is this going to be a case where partisan politics might stand in the way of health and safety of our country? Yeah, no, it might, which I know isn't a very satisfying answer. But there are there is certainly that risk. And I think you actually highlighted almost an inexplicable inconsistency in the on the conservative side, which really had been very focused on on online freedoms and I think you know so you can take that as a very much as a principled position but its position on this bill s210 this age verification for uh, for accessing sexual explicit images online pornography online is really just so off-brand it is hard to explain how they've put themselves in a position where they might oppose legislation dealing with things like child sexual exploitation and bullying and um, those kinds of harms that we were talking about earlier, and yet be supportive of age verification technologies, website blocking, um, and expanding the definitions that are found in S210 well beyond pornographic sites to search in social media. It's hard to, to square that circle, and, and I must admit, I, I don't quite understand how they want to find themselves in a position of supporting the age verification bill and, and opposing this bill. I think far better, frankly, to be opposing the porn bill and saying that there's a desire to fix some of the, the challenges and the problems that are found in the online arms bill. Chatting this morning with Michael Geist from the University of Ottawa. So when I when I read through this and I, and I look at it, I see, you know, the, the ombudsman person, for example, or the ombudsperson to advocate for users who have concerns about online safety, which is likely a very important part of this process, this new digital safety commission uh, and the powers that they'll have. As a 30-year police officer, retired from policing and now standing in a booth doing talk radio, I can't help but think about the enforcement side of this. You've touched on it a little bit, Michael, but I'm just wondering, 
Uh, it doesn't seem to be there's a lot in this when it comes to enforcement. They've talked about, you know, really no new tools for police, certainly no funding to go along with this. But enforcement is eventually something that's going to have to be looked at. Um, maybe just before we close this conversation, your thoughts on the importance of enforcement and is this really just trying to dip their toe in the water to see if they can get this passed and then we'll see more announcements on that on that side? Right. Well, I mean, if, if we're talking about the policing side of it, you're right. They're not focused on that in this bill. They're, this is more setting out the frameworks and perhaps there will be more to come, but there certainly wasn't any indication of that. In terms of enforcing this law, though, in terms of how it gets interpreted and, and holding platforms to account, I would say they've done far more than just dip their toe in the water. They've, they've jumped in at the deep end. And the creation of this Digital Safety Commission that is vested with all of these powers will have between three to five people. Uh, it's not clear to me that, that that's nearly enough, given the, the very many different kinds of perspectives and expertise that you would want in decision-making positions. To, to adequately, effectively get the kind of trust that I think we need, given that there are these kinds of issues. It, 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 it is tough to, to know how you strike the balance on these issues. And if we are vesting this power in this body, it needs to have public confidence. And I'm not convinced they've structured it in a way that it will get that confidence. I, you know, I think that's where, where I'm kind of going with this, Michael, is if you've got this safety commission that has these powers, there's still a lot of actual operational work to, you know, ensure compliance happens in an extreme case, shut down a platform or a website. There's, there's a whole bunch of people that are going to be involved in that. The volume of work I'm guessing is going to be huge. Um, and, and I'm questioning whether or not this is even possible. Yeah. No, it, well, I, I, you're right. It is. These are exceptionally difficult issues, and, and I don't think anyone should be under the illusion, one, that some of these harms are limited just to the online environment. They are clearly gone, occurring offline, too, and that, that we need on-the-ground efforts to deal with some of these issues. Now, not everything is, is criminal, such that you need law enforcement directly involved, but you know, this is going to take, when we look at these kinds of harms, there are a number of different vectors that need looking at and a number of different kind of support mechanisms that are essential. This is a piece of the puzzle, but nobody should be under any illusion that this, this solves everything. Michael, thanks so much for giving us the time today. We appreciate it. Okay, my pleasure. Michael Geist, the law professor and Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law at the University of Ottawa. We always appreciate him stopping by to help Break down things like the Online Harms Act, which was brought forward yesterday. Whether or not it passes, Bill C-63 will continue to follow along and watch this. As it develops, you're listening to 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Appreciated Michael Geist stopping by from the University of Ottawa talking about the Online Harms Bill that was brought forward yesterday by the Liberal government. I, I am a bit worried about partisan politics when it comes to this because I think there are some good things in this bill. I think this bill is stepping in the right direction when it comes to ensuring we don't have more children committing suicide because of online bullying, because of sextortion. The number of kids, listen, our kids are taking pictures of themselves and sharing them over the Internet and through platforms. We know that is happening. Whether we like it or not, doesn't matter. It's happening. We've seen it with Amanda Todd. 
who committed suicide in B.C. There was a 12-year-old, Carson Cleland, in B.C., who just this year, again, a victim of sextortion online. So, yes, we need to make sure that the legislation is not so broad that it limits freedom of speech and, and all of those things. And that's the problem. When you've got six or seven things that are listed in a piece of legislation, there is this this propensity to throw out the whole thing because one or two pieces are a problem. But I do hope, I do hope that the conservatives take a strong look at this. It doesn't just become, we hate the liberals, so we're going to fight everything they do. Because I'll tell you, if the conservatives form government after the next federal election, I would expect that this is something that they would be bringing forward to try and protect our children. So this online harms bill has some really good stuff in it. Maybe there's stuff that needs to be tweaked, and that's what the process is for. That's why they throw it around on the floor of the House. That's why it has to go to Senate. There's a whole bunch of things that have to happen. My point is, when it comes to the safety of children, especially Internet safety of children and other things like enticing hatred, violence, extremism, all of those types of things, this is something that we should be able to rally around as a country. We should be able to, and I and I hope that politics can be set aside enough that we can focus on what the goal is and how we can achieve it in this case. Yet to be seen, though. Yet to be seen. All right, we're going to shift our chat to housing when we come back. A housing crisis in our country, it varies depending on which province and even which area of a province you're in. We've got an expert, though, who's been working on solutions and has become the go-to person for leaders in Canada when it comes to solving the housing crisis. That discussion when we come back on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.